Happy Thanksgiving and welcome to Turkey Confidential. I'm Francis Lamb and this is the Splendid Table's annual call-in special from American Public Media. Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine and More, offering that perfect bottle of Cabernet, bourbon, or sparkling wine for your holidays. It is so great to be back with you on Thanksgiving Day. I hope your feasts are turning out. Everyone's happy and healthy. And you know, I was talking to a new friend recently, a terrific home cook uh, who's an immigrant from West Africa. And I was watching her cook, and, you know, it's like she can make a feast at the drop of a hat. But it's almost like she doesn't know how to cook for anything fewer than, like, a dozen people. And then she said to me that the culture she grew up in and what she's brought with her to America, you know, it's, it's all about community. Helping each other out in life and gathering around food, that is the basis of everything. And that's why she only cooks for huge quantities of people. And then she told me this other thing about how she didn't really understand the food in America when she first got here. Like she had this whole thing about pizza rolls and how pizza rolls really freaked her out. And then she goes, but Thanksgiving? Oh, why got Thanksgiving? So I am thinking of her today, and I am so happy to get to spend some time with you, too, on the cookingest day of the year. Whether you've been prepping and planning for weeks, or you're opening the fridge right now and going, okay, how are you going to get this done? We are here to help. So here's our show today. It's a lot like it usually is on this day. It's you, it's me, it's fantastic guests, and it's your cooking questions. And to get us started, we have our first guest, Kristen Kish. A wildly talented chef, Kristen was named earlier this year as the new host of Top Chef, the competition show that she won in season 10. Born in Korea, adopted and raised in Michigan, she now has a restaurant in Austin, Texas, and she famously once flew her entire family to Austin so they could have Thanksgiving together when she had to work. So she knows something about what this day means. Hey, chef. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, it's great to see you. Hey, you know, I, I love that you're from Michigan. Uh, born in, well, not born, but raised in the Grand Rapids suburbs. What mm-hmm. was Thanksgiving in your home like growing up? You know, I, until I actually got out of my parents' house and started living my own life, I just mm-hmm. thought Thanksgiving, how we celebrated it, was the way that everybody celebrated it. Yeah. You know, for a long time, I had my grandparents with me. So we would do my, you know, my grandparents would bring certain dishes. My, I always remember my mom's dad loved the cranberry jelly from the can. So we'd always have a platter of that. I mean, green bean casserole, stuffing, um, semi-dry turkey that needed a a little bit more love, Um, but delicious nonetheless. And then, you know, the Detroit Lions and the Chicago Bears always played every Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a whole thing. So I remember exactly what it feels like. And then there are a couple standout dishes that I certainly remember, you know, taste memory wise. Really? Like they're like locked in there for nostalgia for you, mm. or like that like you actually will riff on in, in your cooking now. See, I I am a, I am a purist in the way that if that's the way we had it growing up, that's the way I want it now. Mm, yeah. Of course, I've I've changed direction a little bit on the turkey. You know, for a long time <laughs> it was you know we were feeding a table of fifteen twenty people, and now sometimes it's just my wife and I. So I'm not making a massive turkey anymore. Um, but all the different sides, the stuffing that my mom would always make, which is like a cornbread and white bread mix. And I remember her laying out the white bread slices on the kitchen table on, on trash bags, 
you know, clean oh, huh. trash bags yeah, yeah. with a fan <laughs> to try to make it stale because oh. no one planned well in advance, yeah. right? So she could have started that process a week or two. But my parents were both working parents and, you know, Thanksgiving vacation started just a couple of days before actual Thanksgiving day. Yeah, yeah. Um, green bean casserole. There's something about it. I don't need to it, fancy or chef that up. Yeah, no, it is the glory of American post-industrial economic might. That's what yes. that dish is. <laughs> yeah. And I love it so much. I never make it except for Thanksgiving. So once a year is plenty. Um, and I, a couple years ago, my wife is Australian and grew up in Australia. So Thanksgiving is not a thing for her. Mm-hmm. And so I made Thanksgiving dinner and I made green bean casserole. And for the very first time in her entire life, she had green bean casserole. And I can't say that she will crave it ever again. <laughs> but just the fact that I introduced her to this this American delicacy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, I feel really proud of that. That's awesome. It's another part of your heart that's in her heart now. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, she was never wants it again, to be honest. <laughs> There's plenty more love. There's plenty more heart to give. Yes, it's fine. You don't, exactly. have to, you don't have to take that piece of it. And yeah. so, actually, I love that you're talking about this because I was going to just ask you, like, obviously, we just talked about you grew up in Michigan and um, you just spent almost two months in Wisconsin shooting mm-hmm. next season of Top Chef. And I was like, oh, are you feeling super Midwesty right now? I always feel super Midwestern, like in hmm. all of my favorite foods, um, just in who I am, I, I, no matter where I go, no matter what my job is, no matter how many times I change direction and move farther and farther away from the Midwest sensibility, I will, I always feel that. Like I just walked through life as a kid from Michigan yeah. and I, and I completely own that. I love it. I love it. I have such a soft spot in my heart for Michigan because I, I went to school there. My mm-hmm. best friend is from there. Yeah. I just love, I love the mitten. All yeah, right, so it's a great place. It's a great place. It's a great place. And we have a caller. We actually have a bunch of callers who are dying mm-hmm. to talk to you. And great. let's go to the first one, who is another Kristen. Hi, Kristen. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks for having me, Francis. Big uh, fan. Oh, thanks for coming on. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Hollis, New Hampshire, which is right on the Massachusetts border. Oh, right a on. tiny little country town. Right on. And what's your question? My question is, I'm a seasoned cook, and I've been hosting Thanksgiving for 30 years for like 20 people. And every year I panic, and I don't, I always struggle with my gravy. It's like the third most important thing that everybody (laughs) loves and wants a lot of, especially the next day. Uh Sometimes I don't get a lot of drippings. I don't know if I should, you know, deglaze with wine or brandy or, or how I can make it. So I'm making enough for that amount of people. And you would think by now I would know how to do that. But I struggle every year with that. Well, uh, first of all, I have to say this. You've been cooking Thanksgiving for 20 people for 30 years. You have served 600 people Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing just fine. I know. Truly, do not worry. You think I would know how to do this. (laughs) But is your question like you need quantity of gravy or... or, or... Right. Like... um, and I always do a big bird, like 25-pound bird. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always give a lot of dripping. Sure. So it's always like the math part of it. Like, you know, I know you have to make a roux and how much broth or deglazing or additives to make like a good amount for that amount of people and how to make it taste its best. Okay. 
Well, we are with a fabulous resource for that, Chef Kristen Kish. Uh, you have, I'm sure you have the math of exactly, like, if you were planning a menu for 20 people, would that be like, <laughs> I don't know, like, oh, that's, oh, that's easy. That's 80 ounces of gravy. Like, how would you, how would you do that math and how would you make sure you have enough? So here's, hi, Kristen. Oh, okay. How are you? Hi, I'm well. So nice to meet you or talk to you. Likewise. Likewise. So here's the thing. I come from a family that loves gravy. So I hear you on needing enough. Not only do you need (laughs) enough for Thanksgiving Day, you need enough for leftovers. And so I come from the camp of where gravy goes on everything. It goes on the turkey. It goes on the potatoes. It goes on the stuffing. And so maybe I'm overly aggressive in my (laughs) gravy use. However, I plan for minimum eight ounces of gravy per person. That is a full cup. It's just a full cup of gravy. And when it tastes good, it can save, for in my case, a very dry turkey. So (laughs) my whole thing is a lot of times Thanksgiving dinner, and perhaps you have also kind of learned this over your 30 years of making Thanksgiving meals, is that it's all in the preparation. You know, if you even just take you know, discarded chicken bones or chicken wings, and you make this really beautiful gelatinous roasted chicken stock, you could start that process well in advance and you stock it in the freezer. ahead of time. Right. Way ahead of time. Like on a day where you're just like, you know what, I'm going to cook something today. And you always have a stock, no pun intended, in your freezer of actual stock. (laughs) Having it roasted, you can use not only chicken bones, but you can get turkey necks, you can get poultry uh, backbones, you can, you know, whatever you want to use and you stock it in the freezer. Now my key with gravy and how to make it even taste even better is that my mom always would try to like funnel off the fat. I'm like, the fat is where all the flavor is. You want all that. So I freeze it with the fat. I freeze it with all the stuff. I don't skim it. And then on Thanksgiving day, you're pulling that stuff out and you can really fortify and you already have a really beautiful poultry stock. Now to then incorporate the stock into your actual turkey drippings that you are getting day of, is you know on that last 30 minutes of cooking when you're basting and you're doing a lot of stuff to that turkey, you add that stock in the roasting pan Ideally, oh. your turkey is lifted, right? Right. So you're not like braising the turkey in it. Correct. Like under the- Correct. So you add it in there. And then with all that vegetable and aromatics, you're now fortifying that already beautiful roasted stock with all of your turkey drippings. And then from there, you take that base and you move it into the gravy. Got that. it. If all the things I do ahead of time, I never thought to do that. You know, I mean, so- the, free- the freezer is a magical place for delicious things to, <laughs> to live until you want them. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. That's perfect. I, I have to say, a couple years ago, too, I learned this trick. I think it was from America's Test Kitchen. Um, they had this kind of genius technique. I'm like, oh, my God, why, why has no one ever thought of this? Which is you, um, you put them all in a pot, all those bones and necks and whatever, cover it with water, and you boil it. You know, just maybe you simmer it, boil it, whatever. You're, you're, you're cooking it in the water, and all that water is leaching out. The protein is leaching out the fat, and it's like, you know, concentrating in the water. And you actually let that water cook all the way down. You basically evaporate it all. And then all of the residue left on the whole sides of the pot is the flavor of browning. Then you mm-hmm. refill it with water, and then that second fill of water is actually, you know, becomes your stock and then you strain out the bones and freeze and all that and get that ready for Thanksgiving That's day. That's great. That's a great idea. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is genius. <laughs> I know, I know. That's great. Those are great ideas and that's exactly what I'll do. 
Can I, can, Kristen, can I ask you, um, sure. in, the, in the flavor department, which direction do you like to go for your gravy? Well, I'm usually always the parsley, sage, rosemary. Uh, I love sage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. That kind of direction. You know, one of my favorite things to do, and if you want to, you know, give it a go, it also helps stretch it in, in, in a way as well, is that I always make a chicken liver butter. So you take chicken livers, raw chicken livers, and you emulsify it and whip it in like a, in a food processor. So 50-50 butter to 50-50 chicken livers. And then once you bring your gravy to that place, not only do the chicken livers add flavor and the butter adds viscosity and richness, but it also does stretch it because you're adding more fat to this already wonderful, hopefully tasting product. Um, and you end up with something that's like really thick and rich. And I prefer to thicken my gravy that way as opposed to a roux or cornstarch slurry like my mother always did. It just, it has more flavor. Yeah, than flour, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally cool. agree with that. And I just read a recipe the other day about adding chicken livers at the end of a bolognese. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, that's oh, such flavor. Yeah. Yes. So, and I don't 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 cook too much with chicken livers, but that sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah I use chicken livers yeah. in the same way that I use butter in a lot of ways. So it's like, it's it's meat butter. Yeah. So so <laughs> you mean like sorts. your right. gravy is cooked, it's ready, and then you're you're whisking that chicken liver butter in like emulsifying it, like you would you, emulsify you emulsify butter like in a sauce. Vermont. Yep, yeah. like a Bermonte. I also, in, um, for chicken livers or anything like that, I want to use, I use a, like a burr mixer or a hand blender because mm. I find that it adds like a lot of air and it brings like froth and it kind of balloons out a little bit and you get um, oh, something slightly okay. more viscous. Love it. Wow, cool. that's great. Super smart. I love that. That's like, people will be like, ooh, what's that? Like, you know, that one thing in there, they can't figure out what mm-hmm. tastes so good. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. All right. But then you get, yeah, then they come great. back again next year. Now it's like 622 <laughs> people, you know. They're going to be like, wow, what happened here? Why does everything taste so much better? And then next year, you know, Francis and I show up and you're just like, <laughs> yeah, I want right. to eat your Thanksgiving dinner. I would love it. Careful what you wish for. I would love it. Well, thanks so much for the call, Kristen. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Thank right, you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. It's a beautiful season. Nice to chat with you. Same. Bye-bye. Thank yeah. you. All right, let's go to Dan. Hey, Dan, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, Francis, happy Thanksgiving to you. Right on. Hi, Dan, Where are you how from? are you? Hey, Kristen, great, how are you? Well, thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. Likewise. Thank so, you. Dan, what's Thank your question? You. So, I'm getting the turkey ready, and the recipe I'm following is telling me to have a lemon and put it inside the bird, but I'm a little bit hesitant because anytime I've, I've cooked with lemons or any kind of citrus in the past, it's turned things a bit bitter. Um, and I want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, turn our bird bitter. Oh, I have lots of ideas, Dan. Because okay. <laughs> you know, when you think of citrus, the bitterness comes from the pith, right? And, you know, okay. I, I yeah. have the same thing where, you know, if I do slices of lemon in a fish or something a little bit more delicate or something that cooks for a really, really long time and ends up getting just bitter over time, mm-hmm. the key is not to use the pith. Right. And so you can do it a couple different ways. You have the juice or you can use, you know, you peel everything and you make like a twist, like as you would for your martini or, you know, cocktail or whatever. Yeah, um, just but, using the yellow part, not like the, the thick, correct. spongy white part under. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of the one of the mm-hmm. I love that. But also one of my favorite, favorite things to use is preserved lemon. Not only does it have salt okay. and seasoning, but you have this really deep, intense lemon flavor. 
And so that bitterness, because it has like aged over time, is really pulled out because of you know okay. the the preserving portion of the salt pulling that bitterness mm-hmm, out. Mm-hmm. And so I like to, you know, you can buy jars of preserved lemon and you stuff that in there. Rinse, get, you know, give it a rinse depending on how salty it is. Sure. Um, and you stuff whole preserved lemons inside your bird. And that's something where I like, you know, I'm like, you get the two for one. You get salt and citrus. Oh, nice. Okay, that's awesome. He, Dan, have you ever made preserved lemons before? I have not. I've certainly um, been listening to Splendid Table long enough to, <laughs> to hear about them. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I haven't um, gone out and, and I've, or, or made myself. So when you when you make a preserved lemon, it's it's really quite simple. It's like um, I'm like using my hands, which you can't see right now. But you know, you have <laughs> the top and the bottom of your yeah. lemon. Um, you have yeah. the ped- peduncle portion, I guess is what you call it, and then you have the uh, the other portion. I don't know what we're gonna call it, the top part. And you basically like make an X, and you call nearly all the way down, so it opens up like a, a, a flower in four sure. ways. And then you have this salt sugar mix. You can add, I mean, for Thanksgiving, you can certainly add like your rosemary, you can add your sage and, you know, mm. you can, you oh, know, cool. pump up the flavor that way and push it in the, that direction. But you have this like salt mixture. You take a handful of that salt, you kind of like push it inside the, the open lemon now, and then you keep it standing up and you put that in the bottom of your jar or whatever and then you sprinkle more salt and you just kind of like keep stacking it on top of each other and then you just throw it in the fridge mm. and that's it. And then mm-hmm. one of my favorite, favorite things to do after that is the liquid that comes off of your preserved lemons. Um, obviously, mm. you know, like take off some of that salt and strain out, you know, when you um, strain it off after it's been preserving for a certain amount of time is you add sparkling water mm-hmm. and you add just a little bit of that concentrate oh. of preserved lemon and it's nature's Gatorade. We do it all the time in the kitchen. <laughs> Oh, I love that. That is awesome. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a intense lemon brine, and Daniel, like like Kristen said, like that's an amazing thing to stuff in the bird. But you can also like, once they're preserved like that, you can chop them up, and the pith for whatever reason isn't bitter anymore. So you can like chop it up, um, you know, fold it into a sauce, into a vinaigrette. Use as the base of a vinaigrette. You can even like oh, yeah. puree it. And um, the the pith actually does have a, a thickening quality, like an emulsifying quality. So you can make a beautiful thick, oh okay, um, wow. emulsify vinaigrette with it. It's really really cool. And you know, I think people also, you know, people used to stuff their birds when they roast them. And I I always advise against that because it it just makes the cooking time longer. You basically you're introducing more cold mass into this giant bird. You're really mm-hmm. trying to get warm, right? Um, so it like makes the cooking weird. And if you don't cook it all the way through, then like you might have like, you know, raw bird juices and the stuff. It's, it's not a a great look. Um, (laughs) but the lemons and stuff, like you don't really have to worry about that because they're, they're there to provide aroma and flavor. Um, this is more just for listeners who are like, Oh, I've heard you're not supposed to stuff birds, but if you're just putting a few garlic cloves, a lemon, some aromatics in the, in the cavity of the bird when you're roasting, that's totally fine from a safety standpoint. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with regard to the outside of the bird, um, you know, how do I get that picture perfect skin all nice and brown and crispy and, you know, preferably something that doesn't involve any eggs or dairy? I mean, I, I am a big, I mean, if you don't want to do butter and dairy, that's fine. You just need to incorporate some kind of fat. But the beauty of these birds, mm-hmm. because they cook for so long, is that they render off quite a lot of fat. And so you end up with like a lot of mm. fat in the bottom of the pan. You can certainly, you know, stretch that with, you know, a, a neutral oil or something that, that won't burn over time or become rancid uh, by the heat. 
but the last, I don't know, hour and a half, you're basting constantly, mm-hmm. just basting and basting and basting because you need to incorporate more of that fat on top because the fat is going to, yeah. to, to cause it to brown, right? And so when you baste it, you can really control where you're putting that extra layer of fat. Um, so I'm like a, every okay. 25, 30 minutes on that last bit of you know time is the constant basting. Can I have a hot okay. take here? Of mm. course. Here's my hot Let's take. I love crispy skin on any bird, kind of except for turkey. Not that I don't oh. like crispy turkey oh, skin, no. but turkeys are so huge. Yeah. Like the proportion of skin yeah. you get to any uh-huh. given slice of turkey is so minimal anyway. And people stress themselves out so much trying to get that beautiful crispy skin. I'm like, at the end of the day, it's going to be like one half of 1% of one bite. <laughs> 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 like, don't stress over it. That That's my hot take. But Francis, what happens when you take your Instagram picture and it's not perfectly brown <laughs> well, then before you're you cut into <laughs> it? <laughs> and then you're totally thrown off the platform. But, you know, you really live with that risk. All right. Well, Dan, happy Thanksgiving awesome. to you. Thanks so much for the call. Good luck with the lemons. And Thanks, Dan. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys taking my call. Yeah. yeah. Have a great day. All right. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. So let's go to Shirley in Hawaii. Hey, Shirley. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Francis. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. So excited to talk with you. What is your question? I'm really excited to chat, too. Uh, my question is about the best time to carve a turkey. The past few years, I've been hosting a big Friendsgiving in my apartment. Mm. And on the one hand, it would be great to just carve the turkey way in advance. And then once the guests start coming in, I can hopefully focus on being a very gracious and attentive host, Mm -hmm. but that way the turkey might get cold by the time everyone's ready. And on the other hand, if I would carve the turkey while everyone's coming in, then I think things would get a little bit frenzied while I'm, you know, running around and dancing between. Yeah. Uh, the past couple years, admittedly, I've been coercing a different friend each time into carving the turkey for me. But I, think... I don't think that's a really good. <laughs> no, I think that's the perfect solution. answer. Not, not to end this too early, but I kind of feel like that's perfect. Plus, I think people love to help, mm. right? Like everyone's going to be like, what can I do? And if you actually give someone the opportunity to really help, I think they'll feel great about that. But But anyway... Mm-hmm. Assuming, you know, for whatever reason, you know, you, you don't trust your friends with knives. Uh, <laughs> Kristen, what is your what is your recommendation on timing of turkey service? So the, the beauty with... Hi, Shirley. How are you? Hi, Kristen. I'm <laughs> nice. great. So good to talk to you. Likewise. So the beauty of poultry, I think, as opposed to like beef or, um, you know, other kinds of meats is that you with beef especially you run the risk of over resting and that is that is a thing we avoid it in the restaurants you don't want it to look as if it were to over rest and you want those juices to still be flowing and the same goes for poultry however i find that poultry especially large format things like a turkey are more forgiving in a lot of ways i also mm. think that thanksgiving is one of those days where just a lot of things are a bit more forgiving in general mm-hmm. um you know on one side 
you know, the beauty of Thanksgiving, when you come around that turkey, everything else is ready to rock and roll. And mm -hmm. part of the ritual of Thanksgiving is that carving in the moment. Now, it doesn't mean you need to carve it, mm -hmm. um, but a carving station where people come up and do their own or take the meats that they want, where you're not always you don't you don't have to run you know that that process you know i i always say that i mean the turkey's not going to be piping hot it's just not and that's also mm -hmm. okay let all the sides be piping hot let everything else be like the, the heat on the plate a little room temperature in a lot of ways is okay i think if, yeah. if your jus or your gravy is mm -hmm. hot that's fine so once your turkey comes out you want to let it rest 20, 30 minutes, perhaps, you know, with a foil cover mm -hmm. on it or whatever. And then once that resting is done, you know, you can probably carve a turkey in 15 minutes, 10 minutes, depending on how, how quick you are. Um, mm -hmm. So you start carving, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes beforehand, and you put it on a platter, you take some of that jus and all of that cooking liquid that is rendered off your turkey and you spoon it all over mm -hmm. the turkey so it stays moist. And you throw just a, 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 a foil tent over it. And I think it's going to be great. You know, I would, I, I would say that max amount, you don't want your turkey sitting there carved for 30 minutes. I think 15 minutes is totally fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, the beauty is either carving it in the moment or mm -hmm. having, that, having that ritual. Because I, I think that's a really lovely ritual to have amongst family and friends. Yeah, I actually love the idea of having someone mm -hmm. do it, like someone, one of the guests who, you know, want to mm -hmm. help. Also, like just getting into the nitty gritty of like the carving part of it. Once you've taken the whole breast off of the carcass, then it's basically like, it's almost like a loaf of bread. You just like slice mm -hmm. slices off and that's pretty fast. You don't have to do the whole thing. Maybe mm -hmm. a couple slices, mm -hmm. three or four. So maybe the first people come start with it and then you can come slice more. The thing I do, I do find is helpful is, for people who want dark meat, but they don't want to take like the whole drumstick, you know, like walk around like with a baseball bat in the middle of, hey, everyone, you know, <laughs> um, or the whole thigh, which like if you have a big turkey, like a turkey thigh is like the size of a, you know, it's like, the, it's huge. It's like a Frisbee. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that part, if you're helping to like tear that into bites, you know, just make a nice, beautiful mound of mm -hmm. that meat for people. Um, I, I find that to be really uh, a really nice touch. It's a good idea. Well, good luck with it, Shirley, and I hope your guests yeah. are grateful for all the hospitality you show them. Thank you. I'm uh, feeling very empowered to have my guests continue to carve turkey. Yeah, there you go. Future. That's yes. it. Makes, just make someone else do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, the, it's the best. It's the best decision. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you both so much. Yeah, Thank happy you, Thanksgiving to you. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, let's go. Uh, let's see. We have time for one more. Let's go to Patty in Texas. Hey, Patty. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Hi, Francis. Hi, Kristen. Happy Thanksgiving from Austin. How are Hi, you? Patty. Hi. I'm um, great. Thank you. Good. Hey, my family loves, loves, loves traditional Thanksgiving food. All the fixings. However, it seems like they all have the same blend of spices like thyme and rosemary. Mm-hmm. So we're wondering, how could we spice it up a little bit, you know, without giving up on the traditional feel and taste of the uh, Thanksgiving holiday? Mm. Mm. Chris, I feel like this is all you. I mean, I love, I love, love, love the tradition. Like I am a, I'm, like I told Francis earlier, I'm a purist when it comes to the flavor. I want nostalgia to hit hard. Um, 
but that does not mean that my palate doesn't change and that I crave new things. And I mean, on my Thanksgiving table, I'll have like the gravy, but I'll also have like, I'll make like a really bright herb sauce. I'll make a spicy, you know, version of like a chili crunch. You know, I'll have a few different sauces along the way mm. that you can just kind of add however you want. Yeah, I love that idea. I love a salsa verde mm. with turkey. I mean, because there's so many, like the traditional table patty, like you said, is it's a lot of soft foods. It's a lot of rich foods. There's not a lot of bright things. There's not a lot of acidity. Um, and a salsa verde, which is, it could be as simple as literally just chopping a bunch of parsley, um, maybe a little of shallot, maybe it's chopped some capers, a garlic clove or two, lemon juice, and then just kind of like stir olive oil into that, a little bit of salt. Um, you can add a little bit of anchovy. You can, you can like jazz mm-hmm. it up as well, but like just something that lemon, parsley, olive oil, garlic is such a nice thing to have at the table to just sort of dot on your turkey to give it a little pop, a little brightness. You know, the, the, the beauty about traditional Thanksgiving flavor profiles, if we're, you know, if we're all kind of talking about the same traditional flavor of the, you know, rosemary, thyme, sage, garlic, all the things, um, is that those things are really just a very neutral palette. So you can add anything where it doesn't feel like something's going to clash against it, but you can still yeah. add, you know, a lot of different variety of flavors to your table. Yeah, that makes sense. I love it. Cool. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you so much. And I hope you get some chilies on your table. <laughs> yeah. <Thank> you. <laughs> and if you need a relief from cooking, Thanksgiving, Arlo Gray is open. <laughs> and we're right in Austin. Awesome. So we're, we'll be happy to cook for you. Oh, thank you. Good idea. Thank you. All nice right. to meet you. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Well, Chef, this has been a blast. I hope you're going to have a great Thanksgiving. Thank, thank you. you for thank spending you. some Same time with you. us. We'll have to do a Midwest Michigan table one of these years. Right on. (laughs) All right, Jeff. Have a great, great holiday. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. You too. Kristen Kish is the host of Top Chef, the chef of Arlo Gray in Austin, and the author of the cookbook, Kristen Kish Cooking. Hang tight. We'll be right back with Dan Grossi Pelosi. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. I'm Francis Lamb, and this is our annual Thanksgiving Day show, Turkey Confidential from American Public Media. Our show is supported by Sitka Seafood Market. With Sitka Seafood Market, you can receive premium, sustainably harvested seafood from small boat fishermen and community processors shipped right to your door. Their wild-caught products are flash-frozen within hours of harvest, ensuring freshness and flavor. And Sitka Seafood offers flexible monthly or bi-monthly subscriptions, but you're never stuck with anything you don't want. They allow product swaps, special add-ons, easy pausing or cancellation, and they're backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Members can also access exclusive benefits, recipes, and cooking tips. Not ready to commit to a subscription? No problem. They have one-time boxes that showcase seasonal, festive, and popular varieties without commitment. Promoting the dietary guidelines supported by the American Heart Association, Sitka Seafood Market emphasizes seafood's heart-healthy benefits, the rich in omega-3 fatty acids, and lean proteins. Start your free online visit today at sitkaseafoodmarket.com and use promo code SPLENDID35. Listeners receive $35 off their first order of $100 or more, subscription or one-time box. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. That's Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, seafoodmarket.com and promo code SPLENDID35. Hey, happy Thanksgiving! I'm Francis Lamb, and you're listening to the Splendid Tables Turkey Confidential from American Public Media. 
Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine & More, helping shoppers find the best gifts for everyone on their holiday shopping list. Total Wine & More helps shoppers find what they love and love what they find. Drink responsibly, B21. So as is our tradition, we are taking on your Thanksgiving cooking conundrums today. And our next guest here to help me out is Dan Pelosi, sometimes better known as Grossi Pelosi, author of the New York Times bestselling cookbook, Let's Eat, and a self-proclaimed Italian meatball making meatballs. Dan is the host of The Secret Sauce for Food 52 and appears regularly on Good Morning America. Hey, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Francis. Happy Thanksgiving. It's so nice to see you. Nice to see you, too, on the best day of the year. <laughs> you know, I'm glad you said that because I was wondering, you know, I I really appreciate how much you have such an incredibly joyful approach to food. And, you know, I think it's one of the great ironies of American culture that <laughs> Thanksgiving is always this big, joyful celebration day for all these families to get back together. But it's actually extremely stressful for like basically everyone listening to this right now. <laughs> but I'm yeah. glad that you find the joy in it. I do. And I think like, you know, I think it's because we have to embrace like, you know, the good and the bad when it comes to food. After all, it's just food. And there can be a lot of other stressful things at Thanksgiving, but I don't think food should be one of them. Maybe it's like, you know, your aunt at the table who, you know, is always bringing up things that you wish she wasn't or whatever. But like, you know, (laughs) you can at least take joy in some mashed potatoes and gravy. (laughs) But you told me yesterday, Dan, that you have actually been cooking the Thanksgiving, I mean, it doesn't sound like a meal. It sounds like a, a gala event yes. for your entire family for like a really long time. How does, yeah. like, what, what would you make and how did that start? I mean, well, it started with me as a kid spending, you know, every Thanksgiving in the kitchen with my mother and really learning from her. And then my parents, unfortunately, got divorced when I was like 22 and my mm. dad kept the house that we celebrated Thanksgiving in, which was the house I grew up in. And so he sort of looked at me and was like, without saying it, he was like, you know, you're making Thanksgiving now. Um, (laughs) And my family being sort of like deeply Italian and rooted in traditions, the menu unfortunately doesn't get to change very much because I sort of get reprimanded. So we always start with antipas, which is like basically meat with a little bit of lettuce and cheese. You know, that is the first course with stuffed mushrooms and, you know, we have a shrimp cocktail. Then we do pasta with sausage and meatballs. And then after that light second course, we have the turkey (laughs) with all the sides. And then we do pie. And then we're done by like 3.30 p.m. And then we start up again around 5 with all the leftovers and go for a second round. (laughs) That... Okay, let's 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 be real here. From three thirty to five, that's not a second round. That's still the first round. That's just <laughs> it's it's just like we we typically will like we call it going for a walk, but like my street is, like is not long enough to really it's sort of like it's <laughs> you know it's about the length of a runway at a fashion show. So um, so we walk the runway and then we go back. You go and for you a model do, walk, yeah. You, you do a little runway sachet. Yeah, you come back all, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone really nails their their walk. I yeah. promise. <laughs> um, yeah, Hold we don't it, work we don't it. Around. Stop. Exactly. Make love to the camera. Yeah. Come back around. It's time for more turkey. <laughs> you should see Bimpy, my 101 year old grandfather, really works the runway. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Bippy. Thank you for Thanks coming you. every single year. For serving. Thank you for insisting on the antipast. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. One year I tried to not make the antipast and I told everyone, I was like, I'm not making it. We don't need it. And then my uncle brought it anyways. 
So it just is like no one listens. <laughs> You're not making it. I'm making it. No, yeah. It's like it will be there no matter what. So um, I should have said I wasn't making anything and see what happened. <laughs> Could have had a year off. All right. Well, uh, you didn't come here for just for me to talk to you. We have lots of people who want to talk to you. Yes. And Morgan is here right now. Awesome. Hey, Morgan. Where are you calling from? Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. It's great to be on. We're very happy to have you. Hi, Morgan. Hi, Dan. First of all, where are you calling from, and what is your question? Um, I'm calling from New York. All right. And this is like my 12th year cooking Thanksgiving dinner for my family, and I just kind of um, wanted to be a little different this year and serve a proper evening dinner, like around 6 o'clock, 7. Usually mm-hmm. I, I do it in the afternoon. So even though I like alerted you know, my whole family, some aunts and cousins have showed up early anyway. And I'm curious, <laughs> what do I serve for lunch when everything is still raw and I've got to get to cooking? <laughs> well, maybe they, they should enjoy the antifast they brought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like surprise Thanksgiving lunch. Surprise, um, we're here six hours early. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I my instinct is... Maybe make like a clean out the fridge frittata. Like I'm guessing you have some eggs Mm. and I'm guessing you have a lot of extra herbs, maybe some extra veg from all the things you've prepped for the dinner, right? Like there's always a little bits and bops of stuff. So I was thinking maybe you just would clean out the fridge or clean out the sort of like fixins from all your other dishes and that would just be like easy and you could pop it in the oven and you can't mess up a frittata. So I think that could be a good way to go. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah, if you have like, oh, some carrots and onions left yeah. over. Yeah, or even like chunks of bread from like the stuffing or like and like some potato, like whatever. Just whip up some eggs and pop it all in and throw it under the broiler and like kind of call it a lunch, you know? Yeah. I do love a potato. That sounds there great. You go. I think that could be Would good. you saute like those vegetables and stuff? I like So I'd saute maybe in a little oh, for sure. of butter and garlic and get them yeah. soft. Soften it all up. Toss your eggs on top, let it sit on the stovetop for a little bit, and then throw it under in the oven. And I think that could feed a lot of people too, especially if you have any extra bread. You can just do like frittata bread, and that should hold people over. There you go. Yeah. I think I might make that. Go for it. You can do it. Wow. We believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck feeding the the yearning masses, Morgan. Thanks so much for your call. Yeah, thanks, Morgan. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, we have another caller who actually left us a voicemail, and this is Brita. Hi, this is Brita calling in from St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, I'm doing Thanksgiving with my 97-year-old grandmother who lives in an Mm. assisted living facility. She has like a little kitchenette in her room. Mm. And I was thinking maybe if there was like an easy recipe that I could make at her place, it just would be nice to sort of fill the room with the smells of Thanksgiving rather than just bringing everything um, from my house. And I was wondering if you had any ideas for like really easy but homey recipes that you could make in a really stripped down um, kitchen situation. Thank you so much. Oh, that's a really wonderful question. I yeah. hope your grandmother is doing well. So sweet. And I love the idea of wanting to do something fresh with her there. I'm like ready to drive to grandma's. Like, let's go. This is Yeah, like, let's do it. Let's, yeah. let's, let's, do it. let's go help Britta out. Let's yeah, just do this. Exactly. Let's just all cook for her. <laughs> I love um, well, l- l- let me say, just say one thing before you go, Dan. Yeah. I remember when I was in culinary school, this kid, Jason, loved Jason. Uh, he <laughs> had cooked in a, a restaurant 
at a, at a casino near where he grew up, actually, in the great state of Connecticut. Ooh. And I remember him telling me, like, oh, his chef, when he was on, like, the brunch shift where they had, like, you know, the big brunch buffet, before they would open the doors, his chef would always have everyone who had a little burner, you know, in the omelet station or the carving yeah. station, whatever, you have a little burner in front of you, to fire up a pan and get some olive oil in there and get a few cloves of garlic just to perfume the room with oh, the yeah. smell of garlic sautéing and olive oil and then just like throw it out and don't even have to like make food with it but oh just do that to start the service so yes. everyone walks in immediately smells garlic and olive oil and just gets hungry and i think whatever you do brita i think you have you have to start with garlic garlic and sage yeah. or garlic and thyme you know just something that incorporates that step to immediately perfume the room and yes. have that savory scent I think that's so smart. Like my sister always puts like a pot with like orange slices and apple cider and like herbs in it. And it just like, it's like a scented room sort of like hot pot on the stove. And it doesn't make anything other than the house smell good. So it's kind of like that, except it's garlic, (laughs) which which is a little bit more intense, but I like it. (laughs) Um, Two things popped into my mind. Like, well, I love a casserole. Like I love a whole meal and a dish. Um, so like, how can you take sort of like the key ingredients from Thanksgiving and really put them all in a pan or a skillet and bring them to grandma's kitchenette and then just bake them. And she sort of has the whole meal in one sort of fall swoop. Um, and so I was thinking of like shepherd's pie, which I really, shepherd's pie is just like, it sort of gets a bad rep, I think, but it shouldn't, but like a Thanksgiving themed shepherd's pie, like putting oh, gravy cool. on top would be so good of like the potatoes and you could do like turkey, like ground turkey and some veg. That could feel really good. I also like a pot pie, like a turkey pot pie. It just feels like a winner. Um, oh, I love that. Or you could do like a, <laughs> don't mind the pun, but like a mashup where you could do like a pot pie base, but then instead of putting a, a phyllo dough or a crust on top, you could just put mashed potatoes almost acting like dumplings on top. That could be kind of nice. Oh, I love that. And like, yeah, depending on how long she wants to actually be cooking in there, you could totally pre-assemble all the of pot it. pie, even pre-cook it. Totally. Right? Like maybe, maybe like pre-cook all the fillings, I mean. So maybe yeah. in the pot pie, there's a little layer of mashed potatoes. Absolutely. Maybe a layer of turkey or maybe ground turkey to your point, which, yeah. you know, you could like saute up and you can add some of the, you know, celery. I, th- yeah. I think of Thanksgiving flavors being very celery oriented. Yeah. Celery, celery, leek, sage, like all those flavors. Yeah, and, and then and throw the a little bit of gravy in there and then throw the pie crust on and yeah. then just bake that in so grandma's good. little kitchenette. She's a little oven. And then maybe on top of the stove, you can do something, a simple sautéed uh, vegetable to go on the side. Totally. Not to go too crazy, but a pot pie is technically a pie and there's nothing more Thanksgiving than a pie. So you're kind of really hitting all the, all the angles. <laughs> yeah, you're hitting all the notes. You're hitting all the notes. <laughs> That's great. I want pot pie now. <laughs> Great question. We have Dee on the line. Let's go to Dee. Hey, Dee. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Dee. Hi. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Very rainy out here in the Northwest. Oh, but that is that <laughs> yes. is most days. I, I, yes. I do understand. Making me feel very fallish. Oh, very nice. So I was thinking about making a stuffed chard okay. um, and using a few rye crumbs and either mustard seeds or mustard and some sage to make a little stuffing and i'm wondering about using oh currants or pine nuts or nuts or 
anything yes, else, yes. maybe a drop of scary. Yes and yes and yes. Yeah, I was going to say my answer to you is just yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's <laughs> wait, your stuffed shard meaning like Swiss shard, like leaves. Yeah, like, like a stuffed big, beautiful yeah. leaves, and then you're making yeah. a stuffing to roll it up. Okay. Oh, I love um, this. Adi, I like that your question is, I'm going to make. Am I making you hungry? That's your question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it sounds so good. Those flavors. They really it do. So good to me. Totally. Um, but I know I have to have a gentle touch. And I'm not sure how I would, would I bake that or yeah, I'm not think, sure what I'm doing here. I think you want to oh, bake it. <laughs> you sound like you know what you're doing. I know. I'm, I'm like sort of like, can, can you develop a recipe for my thing over here? You sound amazing. I have two questions. One, are we doing this as like a vegetarian option or can we add like a sausage or a meat to it? Oh, no, we can add a sausage or broth or anything like that. I really want to add meat to it, surprise. But, um, (laughs) so I mean, that could be a good way to sort of like um, beef it up or turkey it up or or pork it up. Um, up, And then (laughs) I... Well, I was, I'm I'm doing a roast turkey, so... Oh, so this um, is with the turkey. Okay, cool. This is like a side. Okay, so then maybe we skip that and that's fine. But I do think... I, I do think something... Okay, we're talking about the the greens, which I love greens. I love the flavor of greens. But if you're using a green as like a stuffing, like you're stuffing a leaf, you're not really getting yeah. that much of the flavor of the greens. Yeah. Right? Um, if we're talking yeah. about, I think you said rye bread, currants, onions, um, a little sherry. Maybe some mustard seeds or mustard. Mm. Yeah. I think two things sound very much at home there. One could be mushrooms. Yeah. That you okay. could roast really hard until they're... So certainly brown, but almost like a little bit dehydrated, kind of chewy. Mm-hmm. So that'll add a really right. nice, bouncy, meaty kind of texture. But I think if you have the greens and you have all that, like the softness of the stuffing might like a little bit of like hard roasted mushrooms to give a little bounce in the bite might be really nice. Or I could also imagine something like little cubes of not a whole ton, but just for flavor. And again, for a little texture, little cubes of smoked ham. Mm. Um, Ooh, that I think would be, good. Yeah. would be really nice in there too. I mean, really? bacon would be obvious. Or like but like pancetta? Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. good. Oh, we're big I, pancetta fans here. I also was picturing like butternut squash, like Ooh. cubes of butternut squash in there too, but that might be too many things. Maybe you'd have to pick pick one one vegetable between me and Francis, but something sweet. Although I guess you're adding raisins or currants, so. Right. I could stick in a few little tiny pieces of apple. Oh, that could be good too. Oh, that'd be super nice. Yeah. Dan, if you were making this, would you then like braise the rolls or would you bake them? Would you put them, would you do a sauce? I think a little broth or something at the bottom and cover it. I think it needs to be covered and sort of steamed. Okay. Um, low temp. And then I think at the end you could maybe pull the cover off and get a little brown. But yeah, I'm curious about how the chard would hold up. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about browning particularly because I want the chard to hold up. Okay, you know it mm-hmm. does have its own taste. Yeah, I'm trying to complement it without overdoing yeah, it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know what I might say, because um, the chard does tend to be very, once especially when you cook it and you cook it for a long time, it's a really delicate green. I think if it falls right. apart, it's not a big deal because you'll just have this really delicious, you know. It's Thanksgiving. Every, all foods on the plate are right. a pile anyway. So, so the, maintaining the integrity of this beautiful roll, I'm sure, looks beautiful for Instagram. But, you know, it, it, when it comes to eating, it's not that big a deal. However, 
I think if you might think about using collard greens, um, they, oh. like the structure of them will hold a little bit better. And, uh, you know, I, I think if you want to keep a, more of a roll and like you want to eat it with, you know, knife and fork and, and slice into it, right. um, I would say you can blanch them first to get them more flexible because they're a little stiff when uh-huh. raw. Um, and I would take out right. the, the center stem when the stem gets really thick. Um, just cut out the thick right. part of the stem, and so you'll you'll keep most of the leaf. What if I rolled it, uh, doubling the leaves? Oh, that's smart. I probably right. would double up the Swiss chard leaves because you know they're just like a little bit firmer than spinach, really, and spinach would just be like, wah, wah. <laughs> you know, like... yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, this sounds good. I like it. Me too. How'd you come <laughs> with this idea? I think I saw chard at the grocery store, and I thought, what if I stuffed some of that for a side dish for Thanksgiving. And so I started thinking about it and making notes and I thought about pomegranate, but then I thought currants might be better. And oh, I, I thought walnuts, maybe. Um, then I thought rye bread because I love rye. And I did think about mushrooms. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, oh, that might be too moist. You know, so I crossed it off. But uh, I think your idea of roast mushrooms is a really great one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Dee, I want to I wanna hang out in your head. <laughs> it, it sounds fascinating. Yeah, that I'm, sounds oh, super oh, cool. Come over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well, come send over. us a picture. Send us a yeah. picture. Okay, I will do. Awesome. Right on. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Dee. I hope you love your stuffed greens. Yes. I do, too. It'll be fun to put it together. I'm looking forward to it. Right on. Thanks very much for your suggestions. They're very helpful. Enjoy. I'm glad. I'm glad. Happy cooking. Yeah. All right. Happy Turkey Day. Happy Turkey Happy Day. Happy Turkey Day. All right. We have another caller. This is Annie. Hey, Annie. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Annie. Hey, Happy Thanksgiving to you. How are you and where are you calling from? I am well. I am calling from Seattle. Oh, right on. More Northwesterners. Yes. Yeah. We're a good lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so for the past few years, I've been making this delicious um, barley and mushroom casserole. It tastes better than it sounds. Um, and I got it from this old sunset. I know it sounds very California hippie and it is, but it's, it's delicious. It's cooked barley mixed with an olive tapenade, um, oh, topped yeah. with mushroom duxelle, and then like a chive and mascarpone topping and phyllo, um on top for that kind of crisp crunch. That sounds incredible. And as much as I love it, yeah, it's delicious. It's warm. It's hearty. Um, and as much as I love it, I'm also wondering if there are ways to kind of spruce it up or riff on it. And even though it is vegetarian, like I am open to trying to add meat to it too. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> this has become the theme of this hour. Yeah, like, add meat what can to we it. take that would be oh. a beautiful vegetarian <laughs> dish and just add meat to it? Let's just do it. <laughs> On Thanksgiving, because you're not getting enough protein. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, actually, can I ask you one question before we, before we get into this? Tell me more about the barley yeah. part of it. What type of barley and how is the barley prepared? So the barley... Um, does not give me a type. I quite honestly just buy whatever is in bulk at the grocery store. Sure, yeah. Um, but you cook it with garlic, olive oil. Oh, I guess it's pearl barley. Sorry, yeah. I'm looking at the recipe now. Okay. But you cook it with um, barley, olive oil, and then, of course, the tapenade also has some oil to it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's got that nice garlicky kind of salty flavor yeah, yeah. when it's all cooked up. And you just like boil the barley ahead of time to, to soften it up first? Yeah. Yeah, I have a question. What kind of mushroom are you using? Um, they're cremini mushrooms. Okay, I, I figured they were probably cremini. I, my first instinct is to like really have fun with all the beautiful mushrooms that are out in the world um, and try and change oh, Especially that up. in the Northwest. Yeah, like change up the mushroom, yeah. do a medley, because I think the varietals of mushroom could be really a fun place to play. Yeah, totally. I mean, in Northwest, you guys get a, you get so many chanterelles that are yeah. so nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the thing I was thinking, the reason why I was asking about the barley is because I thought maybe what you could do, you can swap in some farro, which are like wheat berries that you yes. also just boil ahead of time in a little bit of salted water. And they have such a beautiful chewiness. And I think just texturally, it'll, it'll make it a little more chewy or, or a blend, maybe do like half barley and half farro. Or if you want to go in that direction, frica is basically farro, but it's been like, damn, what is the, what's the story? It's like, it's like sort of like burnt, like the wheat is burnt yeah. um, when it's at the harvest time. So like, and they, it's basically processed with fire in some way. So it's basically yeah. wheat berries that are smoky. Yeah. It'll um, add like an intensity of flavor that could be really pretty. Yeah. So I think a little bit like a, that sort of mild smokiness of the frica um, could be really, really nice in there as well. Oh. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Or just syrup some sausage and toss it in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say also, like, what about, like, some heavy cream? <laughs> like, can we make it, like, a creamy <laughs> situation? Yeah, we're just throwing a little sour cream. Yeah. No, I like that. A little tanginess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could be delicious. Yeah. Sour cream makes everything better, quite well, honestly. You could also make, like a, like, a gravy for this dish specifically out of, like, sour cream and herbs and maybe do, like, lemon oh, juice bingo. or garlic or, like, something like that and just use that on top. Could be nice. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, that sounds delicious. We're coming over. Yeah, yeah I mean, it just sounds like a great dish. So I, I don't want to, like, completely reinvent it, but I think if you just, like, just goose some of the ingredients a little bit or just add a little bit something to the side, it could, yeah. it could make it feel a little fresh and new for you. But yeah. You know, you're making a little bit of a new tradition with it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. These are such great suggestions. Thank you. Enjoy it, Annie. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. All right. Let's go to May. Hey, May. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Where are you calling from? I am calling from Seattle, Washington. Wow. Okay. We have half the population of Seattle on the line right now. (laughs) Truly. (laughs) Hi, May. This is Dan. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Dan. Happy Thanksgiving. I guess we're just getting a head start. (laughs) Um, So this year, my birthday actually falls on Thanksgiving. um, And my partner and I, uh, yeah, we're planning to do um, an an Italian-inspired, like, big, romantic kind of Thanksgiving dinner. And so Mm. my question is, what would you both suggest for adding Italian influence to uh, your Thanksgiving table. <laughs> oh, I love it. Wait, is it just right you person. and your partner? <laughs> just us two. Um, a nice, quiet, romantic Thanksgiving dinner in. Um, I'm used to the huge family and bouncing around from house to house. So this is pretty pretty new for both of us, I'd say. Right on. So your birthday gift to yourself is everyone stay away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. No family obligation just food this is love it this sounds so great um my family is deeply italian-american and has has put as much 
Italian influence into our large Thanksgiving as possible every year. And we always have pasta and meatballs and, you know, all the uh, antipasta and all those things. But I think you kind of want to keep it like really like you don't want to make a ton of stuff, it sounds like, or I I wouldn't if it was just two people. And I'm thinking you could make like a really beautiful like white lasagna that like has like Mm. some some of the fall vegetables in it and maybe some of the herbs that might belong um, at a Thanksgiving meal. That was sort of the first thing that popped into my head, but I don't know how traditional Italian you want to go or if you're into sort of making something that feels more like aligned with Thanksgiving, but still of the Italian sort of like repertoire. Yeah. Thank you so much. So um, both my partner and I love to cook and we're super kind of into fusion. So You know, I mean, if it's a stuffing stuffed manicotti shell, we're in. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Wow, <laughs> that would be that would be wild. <laughs> I was thinking like a bechamel with maybe like layers of lasagna noodle, but maybe sort of like some a little bit of like maybe sage in it, and then like some butternut squash thinly sliced, or some kale. And just sort of bake like a really beautiful layered lasagna that isn't just like red sauce and, you know, ricotta, but you're having uh, some of the more more fall flavors in there. I, I'm thinking of a this just certainly has roots in Italy, but I was uh, I was introduced to it through an Italian-American cook um, that I interviewed once. But stuffed calamari, when, mm. when you said Seattle. Yes. Um, I also think, you know, I love the seafood of the Northwest. I mean, you should just start yes. the evening with your beautiful oysters. I might go to a market and see if you can still get, I don't think it's actually the season, but frozen spot prawns mm. um, are available. They're a bit of a splurge, but um, they are, to my mind, one of the three best shrimps in the entire universe. Um, so like oh, wow. do those lightly sauteed. Um, but uh, I was also thinking stuffed calamari Yeah, could be so yummy. And like when you said stuffing and it's, you know, the stuffing could be, I mean, you can really make it any way you want. But the way I was taught was breadcrumbs sauteed with garlic and olive oil. Um, And you take the calamari, you take the legs off the body, you chop them up um, and you and you fold it into that stuffing as well. Then you just like stuff the body of, of them, toothpick it shut. And then you sear the calamari and then you braise it in tomato sauce. So, yes, you know, so calamari good. is one of those foods where they, they cook it a minute or an hour. Um, yeah. If you cook it in between, it gets kind of rubbery and tough. But you <sighs> sear it for that nice brown flavor and then just smother it in tomato sauce and gently simmer it until it gets really nice and tender again. And it's just so yum. Yeah. And like two of those on a plate with a little bit of tomato sauce before your beautiful white lasagna before your turkey. Yeah. <laughs> before your, your Brussels sprouts. <laughs> and happy birthday to you. You'll yeah, wake up birthday. you'll wake up in the next year. Yeah. <laughs> so delicious. Thank you so much. All of that sounds delicious. Enjoy. Happy birthday and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, May. Well Dan. Yes. I want to cook with you sometime, brother. Let's do it. I'm ready. It doesn't even have to be a holiday. We no. do any old day. Even better. Let's make it our own holiday. Let's make it our own holiday. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming by today. And thank you for having the time me. to go cook this together. Is the best episode of the year. I'm so honored to be here. Well, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Dan Pelosi is the author of the new best-selling cookbook, Let's Eat. Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine & More, helping shoppers find the best gifts for everyone on their holiday shopping list. Total Wine & More helps shoppers find what they love and love what they find. Drink responsibly and be 21. 
Thanks for spending part of your day with us. It's been a blast talking with you. And from our family to yours today, happy Thanksgiving. I'm Francis Lamb, and this is Turkey Confidential from American Public Media. Francis Lamb, and this is Turkey Confidential, the Splendid Tables Thanksgiving Day broadcast brought to you by American Public Media. Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine & More, offering the perfect bottle of Cabernet, bourbon, or sparkling wine for the holidays. Happy Thanksgiving, and welcome to the Splendid Tables annual cooking call-in show. And here's how it works. It's you, it's me, it's fantastic guests, and it's your cooking questions for the cookingest day of the year. Let's get right to it. Our next guest is a dear, dear, dear friend. We've known each other forever. I mean, really, since before either of us really started in food. And she has become just one of the most beloved cookbook authors I can think of. Abra Behrens used to be a farmer and is now a chef and the author of an utterly gorgeous series of cookbooks about how to make the most of what the earth gives us. She started with Ruffage, which was all about vegetables, then wrote Grist, which was grains and beans, and her latest, all about fruit, is called Pulp. Hey, Abra, happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving to you, Francis. Oh my I, gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, you know, I remember when I was in your position, calling into the show, but now here we are. <laughs> um, I, you know, and it's funny because I, I, you know, we've known each other for a super long time, and I've always mm-hmm. known you to be someone who loves cooking, even before you were professionally a cook and love cooking for groups. I know how much you love to cook for people, but I've never talked to you. Like, What are your feelings about Thanksgiving, about the ritual of Thanksgiving, the holiday, the celebration? I love Thanksgiving, um, mostly because, you know, it's like a whole, you can stretch it out into the whole day. Like, yes, there's the big meal, but there's just all the lead up to it. And then also the like come down afterwards when everybody's like doing the dishes or laying on the couch and moaning about how full they are or like people go for a walk afterwards. And I just, I always want dinner parties to like extend that long uh, Mm. to be the whole day. And so it feels like it's the opportunity for like the dinner party of my dreams where nobody has anything else to do (laughs) (laughs) i've always thought it was so weird that like oh so many people like oh they're they're like our family tradition is we always eat at you know one o'clock dinner at Mm. one o'clock i'm like that's not dinner time like by no stretch of any proper imaginations at dinner but i'm like oh that's why because it's (laughs) because you want to spend the whole day with the people you care about and, you know, you got something to do when you show up there. So it's like, oh, I guess we'll start eating then. But then we're just going <laughs> to keep eating and then making sandwiches later and, you know, watching football or, or whatever. Yeah. Did uh, your family grow up with traditions for like what you did during the day, either before or after the meal? No, not at all. You know, because my parents are immigrants from China and like they didn't mm-hmm. grow up with this particular tradition. You know, we have harvest and other kinds of traditions, but um, not with like, you know, the the Thanksgiving is, you know, Americans think of it. And uh I remember thinking that was one of the things that, like, oh, if we did that, we'd be a normal family. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, like, it was always a struggle. And, like, I have this whole story about how, like, I, I would always ask my mom for turkey. And she's like, why eat turkey, though? Like, we can eat other food that's tastier and juicier. So, did she make the same things every year, though, then? so that it No, it would just like be, like, it would just be another or? Thursday night for us. But I would keep clamoring, okay. like, we at least have to have turkey. We at least have to have turkey. <laughs> and finally, my mom one year was, like, really sweet about it. And she was like, hey, I got turkey. And I was, like, so excited. I came down to the dinner table, and she had literally gotten deli turkey. <laughs> 
like rewarmed me a portion of deli turkey, so I had turkey that day. That's and like at the time, I was like, "That's not what I meant." And now, like, I think, like, "Oh my god, that was so sweet. That was my mom trying to, you know, she was my mom trying. It was really yeah. awesome." And really sweet that she didn't say, if you want turkey so badly, why don't you get a turkey? Yeah. Uh, which I feel <laughs> like what is what would have happened in my house. <laughs> yeah, look at what I've been doing now. I'm like, okay, honey, yeah. I want turkey. Um, Better figure out how to catch one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you, okay, about, you know, what's your what's your plan for the day? Well, my plan, so I love the early morning start. And in my household, there was always like a firm 10 a.m. After 10 a.m., don't even think about touching any food or you would like, you know, you'd be banished from the house for a while. (laughs) Um, And so I really like like getting up, having a nice breakfast that's not super big and then getting everything going. And I'm a real like prep list writer, as you can imagine. Um, And there's some things to do, but I try to front load all of the prep so that then on the day, it's not this like frantic, frenetic thing. Although some of that franticness is always kind of nice. It sort of speaks to the like nature of the holiday a little bit, um, kind of the drama of it. But then what (laughs) I really love is that we try to go for a walk every year. We go, we, I mean, I live in rural Michigan, so we go for a lot of walks <laughs> generally. Um, but we try, we live right near Warren Dunes, which is this beautiful, huge sand dune on the side of Lake Michigan. And so we try to go to the dunes and go for like a three hour you know, hike, but walk really, Mm -hmm. um, and then come back and finish everything up. And then you're kind of like chilly from being outside and you get to warm up and have stuff and things like that. And then there's usually some snacks, but I feel like I always try to make snacks that are a little bit lighter, wet the appetite, you know, sort of thing. And then we go into the meal. Right on. Well, okay, well, let's get to the main event. There are all these people who are waiting to talk to us. And the first one is Julia. Hi, Julia. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, where are you calling from? I'm calling from Colorado. Oh, very good. Uh, you're here with me and with Abra Barons. And what is your question? Hi, Abra. Uh, my question is about cutting back on dishes, both the ones on the menu and piled up in the kitchen. <laughs> um, my mom and sister, yeah, they're <laughs> the cooks in the house and they're very talented. And at Thanksgiving, they pull out all the stops. But to do it means every burner, both ovens, and just every whisk, bowl, and pot we have in the whole house is dirty at the end of the day. Um, And I now have a baby and a toddler. So not only do I not want to... Oh, thank you. Yeah, she's going to be old enough to try her first foods this Thanksgiving. Oh, I love it. That'll be amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Um, But I don't want to spend Thanksgiving cooking and cleaning and... On top of that, we're lucky if we get to sit down together for 15 minutes to eat the meal with all the kids running around. Um, so I thought Abra might have um, kind of a practical guide to Thanksgiving that <laughs> is in keeping with her amazing approach to ingredients and food. And practical um, guide. First of all, Abra, I want you to run with this, but Julia, did we just hear your baby? Yes, she's oh, here. Oh, hi. I'm too little to... Yeah. What's your child's name? Happy little thing. Oh, what's your child's name? This is Gwen, and I the toddler is Tilly. Um. Tilly the terror, who is <laughs> also running. She's running around in the other room. So. Oh my gosh, so sweet. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love that little coo. 
Um, well, thanks so much for the question. That's a hurdle for a lot of folks. Yes. You know, Thanksgiving has so much redundancy. There's mm-hmm. two types of potatoes and three types of dark green things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was wondering if maybe there was a way to combine some of those things so that it's it's just one amazing starch and just oh, one okay. green thing to just kind of cut back. Sure, right. sure. Well, part of it sounds like a like an expectation management problem. Like if you just need to have a conversation with your family and be like, okay, we're not having 18 things on the table this year. We're going to have 12. Pick them. <laughs> but are there things that are like non-negotiable? Like, oh, we have to have a green thing and we have to have a potato. And then April will like whip up four different ways to manifest that for you. <laughs> oh, um, I think we definitely want a Thanksgiving salad. And I love a salad because it's mostly assembly, hopefully. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... We also need a potato dish. Cool. Well, my favorite thing to make the last couple of years has been like a big platter of roasted roots. Uh, so you can put, you know, sweet potatoes, regular potatoes, parsnips, carrots, celery root, rutabaga, all of those sorts of things. And you can toss them together and roast them simultaneously. You can do it the day before so that then, you know, your oven is freed up. And then to save on dishes with that, I almost always put foil down to roast veg on Mm. um, because that way you don't have to then like scrub the baking sheet. So and that kind of doubles up as a storage container, too. So often on Wednesdays, I'll par roast all of the vegetables together and just fold that tinfoil up and around it. So it makes like a little packet. And then you can put that in your fridge overnight and then the next day when you go to heat them you just opening that packet back up because you want the vegetables to be able to get some airflow so that they keep their little bit of like a crunchy exterior Um, and you can pop them back into the oven and I've been doing it with some kale over the top because I tried to put a green salad out every year for Thanksgiving and no one would touch it Um, you know it's just like nobody in my household wanted to eat any sort of like lettuce Um, So I just took the green salad off and worked the kale in that way. Mm. And then I've been dressing it with just like... I mean, a really nice mayonnaise, like, you know, something with some garlic and some lemon, or you could put in some of the other flavors of Thanksgiving, like, you know, roasted mushroom or roasted tomato to give it some acidity or roasted bell pepper. But I just really like lemon and garlic and it kind of makes it feel lighter. I feel like Thanksgiving traditionally is always why everybody loves the cranberry relish. It's craving acid or brightness. So that really Mm -hmm. lemony aioli can be just kind of dotted all over over, top it with the kale and it's sort of salad and vegetables together. And that's not going to replace like a mashed potato, but then you've got your mashed potatoes and your other vegetables and you can kind of go from there. Um, oh, I love that. I love that a lot with the kale on top. It's such a good idea. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I also really love Brussels sprouts. So you could do Brussels sprouts as well. But I've been eating Brussels sprouts raw for quite a while now. I think it was uh, Sky Gingle I worked for ages ago, did a raw Brussels sprout salad. And so um, that has also kind of replaced the green salad. And if you wanted to combine a Brussels sprout dish with this roasted roots, I would just cut them super thinly, or you could use cabbage or something like that too, to make it really crunchy. Um, And then dress it with, you know, again, lemon and olive oil and things like that. Oh, these are great ideas. Oh, perfect. Okay. And hopefully your kid will get into right. it. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The green vegetables are still a challenge for the two and a half year old, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, ha- I have hopes. <laughs> Tilly will get there. Tilly will get there. Well, thanks so much for calling, there. Julia. 
Have a great Thanksgiving. Oh, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too. Right on. Bye-bye. Bye. You're so right about the, the cranberry. Like, I've never been a huge cranberry sauce fan, but it's, like, the only thing on the table that isn't a potato <laughs> or, like, a gravy. <laughs> Just brown. <laughs> or a yeah. stuffing. Um, so, yeah, you'd want that, like, that sweetness, that acidity, but also, I think, freshness. And actually, like, when you said, oh, I don't really make the green salad anymore, I'm like, I would absolutely dive into a green salad on Thanksgiving because I just want that something with crunch and something that feels bright and fresh instead of just, like, all these, like, amazing rich things. Yeah. Well, you can come over anytime then and you and I will eat the bowl <laughs> we'll of salad, salad ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, let's go, to, let's go to Tom. Hey, Tom. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, how are you? Where are you calling from? So I'm calling from Michigan. All right. Oh, hometown hero. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a great state of Michigan, I guess I should have said. Absolutely. We're a pleasant peninsula, as you well know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I have a question, um, and actually it's related to Michigan. So my family and I recently started a farm in northern Michigan, mm-hmm. and we are using permaculture principles to regeneratively grow several varieties of fruits, nuts, and berries that are either native to the region or that are related to trees that are, including thousands of hazelnut shrubs um, and chestnut trees, which, as you might know, once grew in abundance in the United States. That's incredible. So the question is, we are several seasons away from our own harvest, but we're so excited to explore ways to start incorporating hazelnuts and chestnuts into our Thanksgiving dinner this year. And so we would love your advice on ways we could use uh, these nuts to enhance the flavors and textures of maybe classic dishes or maybe inspire some some new ones for our holiday table. And thank you so much in advance. We love the show and we really appreciate your culinary wisdom. No, thank you. I mean, it, it's really always amazing to talk to someone who actually you know, grows you know, these ingredients that we love. Obviously, you're, you're just getting started on that journey, but um, 6,000 hazelnut <laughs> Yeah, that's a lot of hazelnut. <laughs> that's, when my wife pulled up to the property the first time, I can't say it on the radio, but it's not a positive word. <laughs> what do we do? Just, I feel like six thousand just means you have a good shot of beating the squirrels to them. Yeah. I feel like you have an army of squirrels just waiting in the wings for you. <laughs> you might get a handful. Exactly, and exactly. Oh man! Right on, Abra. So okay, so nuts, chestnuts. And the fruits of northern Michigan, something you know something about. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like nuts end up in so much of my cooking, and specifically hazelnuts and filiberts and chestnuts. Chestnuts are that, like, softer, um, kind of almost meatier texture. It's not as crunchy of mm-hmm. a nut as some of the other ones. Um, and I grew up with, um, my grandmother would make, like, a version of wild rice with roasted apples and chestnuts. And it oftentimes the leftovers would get repurposed into cabbage rolls. So we would do like she'd blanch the cabbage leaves and then fill it with the wild rice and chestnut mixture and then have some sort of like really tangy applesauce served with it like after Thanksgiving. Um, So something like that. I mean, obviously putting nuts into a stuffing makes a ton of sense. Um, 
I really like brining nuts ahead of time. So mm. let them soak for 24 hours in a salt mixture and it will pull mm. that salt into the center and kind of soften the nuts a little bit. And then I tend to re-roast them. And it sounds like sort of really? laborious. Um, yeah, because you, you know, then you get that crunch back because after they've been soaking in salt water, they're a little bit softer, but then you can roast them and toast them and they get super nutty. You activate all of those oils in the same way, but then you don't have that kind of like bland interior against this like overly salty exterior. Um, and then we use them mostly to kind of add a textural component to dishes. So, you know, if, it, if you are doing something like, um, I like roasted sweet potatoes as opposed to like a sweet potato casserole, mm -hmm. but I will say like a sweet potato casserole that has um, these like brined hazelnuts and a little bit of maple syrup, but then that maple syrup with some sherry vinegar. So you get like the sweetness and the sourness and then the crunchiness and the saltiness of the nuts. It adds a really nice textural difference yeah, because cool. otherwise it's like sort of just all soft. Like a lot, a lot of Thanksgiving is just, you know, you don't really need to chew it. And so I think if you put some chew in, that can be really good. Um and then my other favorite thing to do with it is I'm a big sucker for taking mid, you know, quote unquote, Midwestern classics and updating them with scratch ingredients. So I really like doing a version of a green bean casserole that is mm. just, you know, lightly steamed green beans and then a really flavorful mixture over the top. And um, more people are avoiding dairy. So I've just been sauteing mushrooms and then adding chestnuts to that, as well as some acidity from either like a balsamic vinegar. You could do some citrus chestnut and orange goes really well together so you oh, could do cool. a little bit of orange zest olive oil and then a bunch of herbs and you could do something like fried sage and chestnut really love each other a little bit of rosemary something like that and then you're just spooning that kind of crunchy nutty tangy olive oily uh, mushroom and nut mixture over the green beans. And it just feels like, again, bright and light and not something that's uh, bogged down by gloppy cream of mushroom business. Yeah. I mean, I do love a gloppy cream of mushroom business, but uh, <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> Actually, let me ask you a question about chestnuts. Um, when you get them whole, there's this whole thing where you have to like score them and then roast them or some people boil them and steam them and then you peel them. The peeling can be tedious and sometimes it sticks. It, it can be a whole thing and it could be a, a, a wonderful ritual if it's in your, you know, in your wheelhouse. But if you just want to have a chestnut in a dish, <laughs> sometimes you can buy them like sort of prep for eating. Um, the texture I find to be sometimes rubbery. Is that just a matter mm. of quality and what you're buying or do you or can you help that? Uh, I mean, my understanding is that that probably means that they, yeah, they've gone through a couple of processes to get to you already peeled. Um, and so I find the rubbery ones I tend to make into soup because mm. then I can blend it so much that I can strain, either I can blitz the parts that don't break down yeah. or I can strain them out and then you get the flavor without that texture. Um, but for getting them out of the shell, I do find that the there's that interior skin that can yeah. sometimes stick to it and that that usually happens if they've gotten hot and then cooled again. It like somehow re-adheres. Oh. So I don't bother with the scoring. I just cut them in half and then again, I soak them in a little bit of salt water or you can do something like I've soaked them in beer with a little bit of salt water so that it gets just like that other kind of flavor with it oh, cool. and then roast them either in a hot oven or a hot dry pan and the skins and shells will kind of 
peel back. And then I do them in a small enough batch that I can peel them while they're still warm. You can heat them back up again. Like if, you know, in the restaurant, we'll peel like 50 pounds at a time, which is tedious work. Um, But that's really only an issue if you're cooking at volume in that way or at scale that way. Um, And so if you're doing it at home, it shouldn't be any issue. But yeah, in that way, just by cutting them in half, oftentimes they'll kind of fall out of the skins and the shells on their own. So you don't have to like peel your nails back by trying to like claw them out of there um it's a little bit less romantic than the x score but you're also less likely to like seriously cut yourself which is always i mean the worst thing you can do for what's more romantic than a thanksgiving trip to the hospital your loved ones (laughs) around you taking care of you all right we just keep a first aid kit in the kitchen and we use it every year so (laughs) it's part of the ritual part part of the ritual yeah everybody has their traditions well thanks for the call tom and good luck with all the uh, all that farming you're about to do. Yeah, amazing work on the Thank orchard. you so much. Thank you. And these recipes sound incredible. We can't wait to try them. Oh, great. Thank you. All right, let's go to Jeannie. Hey, Jeannie, happy Thanksgiving. Hey, how are you? We're great, thanks. Where are you calling from? Um, Kennesaw, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. Oh, right on. Nice. Right, from northern Michigan yeah. to central Georgia. Let's do this. What's your question? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, this is of course, the best meal of the year, best entertaining day of the year. And I have worked for years on um, perfecting my recipes so that they are nostalgic and the traditional that everyone is looking forward to, mm-hmm. but also more um, natural using whole foods and getting away from some of the processed items. I, mm-hmm. Last year, I got my pecan pie away from corn syrup to maple syrup, and I was really proud mm. of that. But my Yum. one item hanging on is my cornbread dressing. And this is, I took this over when I was 18 or 19 because my mother would put sage sausage in it, and I didn't like the meat in it. Mm. Um, so I took it over, added fresh sage. Um, my, the sticking point on my cornbread dressing is that I still use cream of onion, Campbell's cream of onion and cream of celery soup in it. Mm -hmm. And I'd really love to get away from that. I, of course, make homemade cornbread. Um, I chop up onion, celery, sage, saute those in butter, add spices, salt, pepper, um, and chicken stock. But Mm -hmm. I'm hanging on to these cream of Campbell's soups. Mm -hmm. And I'd really love if there is some kind of natural alternative that would give the same flavor profile, the same consistency and a little bit of creaminess. Mm. Can I ask you one question, Jeannie? Is it like a philosophical choice? Is it a a nutrition choice or is it like an aesthetic choice? Yeah, I I do not make Thanksgiving dinner for health because (laughs) to be honest, like, I mean, it's overeating and it's, it's indulgent and so it's more about, it's more about making it perfect, like mm-hmm. putting it kind of the the slow food, going back to everything being from scratch and make the pie crust from scratch and make the rolls from scratch. It just feels like I'm cheating by mm. using canned soup. <laughs> sure. No, I get that. But it's also like, oh, you're already making a massive meal and you are indulging in nostalgia to some degree. And so sometimes that flavor is that's just what's in that can you know so i'm not i'm not telling you to not do it i'm just saying I, I, that's why i was asking what was behind your thinking here because if it is right. something that's just like you know this is a, a you know a specific you know goal you're trying to set for yourself that's 
that's awesome. But if it's just like, oh, I just yeah. kind of feel like it. But like, yeah, sometimes I that mean, taste is just year. that taste. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but I do think like the way you're describing that stuffing, it sounds wonderful. But the cream of piece of it is that body, that richness. And those soups, I don't know exactly what's in them, but I imagine they're <laughs> roux-based. Um, so part of it okay. is the cream, literally the dairy. But I think a lot of that richness is going to be from the thickening power of roux, like the butter and flour um, in that cream okay. of soup. Right. But Abra, like, well, lay it yeah. on, Jeannie. I was going to say this. <laughs> The same thing um, is that that sounds like a like a milk sauce, you know, and bechamel mm-hmm. is one of the, you know, mother sauces in traditional cooking. Um, my grandmother did not say bechamel. She said milk sauce. Um, mm-hmm. And the way that she would make it is uh, you said cream of onion and cream of celery. Is that right? Yes. Okay, so I would just take onion and celery and sweat those down, make them nice and soft, maybe put something like some thyme or some herbs de Provence or something like that. I also usually put a little bit of nutmeg and chili flake in my milk Mm. sauces because it gives it that the nutmeg gives it the warmth and the like, you know, kind of. Uh, gentleness that you expect from it, but then the chili flake adds a little bit of heat and a little bit of something that kind of perks it up some. And then you'll take uh, some flour and just coat the vegetables in that flour with some butter. In my memory, and at least how I do it, is equal parts butter and flour. And then um, you're going to let that get toasty and brown and cook so it should smell like cooked flour because that's where, you know, like the old jokes about lumpy gravy comes from. It's kind of that uncooked flour business and it just tastes pasty. So you want to let it go and um, and then you'll add in your milk. And I usually use a whole milk um, and you just whisk it in and then bring Bring it until it thickens. Right. Mm. And then I went to cooking school at Ballymaloo under the like, you know, ever inspiring Darina Allen. And they did it this way that like blew my mind. So hold on to your boots. Uh, <laughs> Darina would make roux equal parts butter and flour separately, just in a frying pan, and then would hold it in the fridge. And then she would bring milk up to a scald or whatever you wanted to thicken. You can do it with soups, you can do it with sauces, whatever you want. And then just like chunk in the roux and whisk it in Mm. and that way you have total control because you're not locked into a certain amount Mm, it like mm, mm. literally blew my mind that this would work in this way because i thought it would just sit as like a little ball at the bottom of the pot or whatever but it totally works and you just whisk it in so that might be a good way to kind of back it out too so that you can make it the texture that you want for your your dressing because i don't know what proportion like how much of this soup it normally goes into your dressing. And so if you're just trying to kind of add a little bit of richness or if that's what's really making it the like moisture, I know you're using chicken stock, but you know, is it equal parts chicken stock and your canned soup or is it more or less of the other? Then you can kind of just, you know, drop it in as you need to. Um, and then the nice thing about those milk sauces is that they are great for leftovers. And my favorite day after Thanksgiving task is that we take all of the leftovers, well, not all of them, but a lot of them, and turn them into pot pies. Oh, and yeah. so any leftover bechamel or milk sauce that you have functions as a binder for the pot pies. So you can take your like leftover turkey and chunk it up, your leftover roasted roots, your leftover mashed potatoes, throw some you know green beans, broccoli, whatever. 
whatever you want in there, whatever you've got, maybe not the cranberries, and then <laughs> bind it together with the milk sauce. And then if you've got leftover pie dough, or honestly, I usually buy puff pastry um, at that point in the, <laughs> the weekend, and then um, just make little hand pies and you can put them in the freezer. And they're, I mean, in Michigan, we call them pasties. And then, you know, we're always very grateful in January when there's like a bag of pasties in the freezer that we can just bake for a quick dinner with a big green salad. I love that. Well, I am so excited. I have Googled for years trying to find a replacement. And the replacements are usually some other product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that just sounds like a great alternative and to bring the flavors in through the onions and the celery as I'm making the sauce. Yeah. To totally. mimic what the cream of soup would do. And Jeannie, I'll say too, I mean, those sometimes, I think Francis is right. Sometimes those flavors are really nostalgic. I think it's admirable to want to always hone what you want towards perfection. But also, you know, the the food is a vehicle to get people together and to kind of have this setting for people to connect. So I certainly hope that if this isn't your favorite way of doing it, that it doesn't, you know, make you feel like the day is a failure because perfect can be the enemy of the good. And it sounds like you've got a good head on your shoulders, but also, you know, don't, don't push yourself over the edge if it will make it harder for you just to be with your loved ones too. Well, I, I and that. I have some cans in, in the background. There you go. There <laughs> like, you go. This if there needed to be called in as backup, they, they, they stand be. at the ready. That is practical if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> right. Well, thank you guys so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy thank Thanksgiving. You so much. Thanks for the Both call. Both of you as well. Thank uh-huh. you. Well, hey, Amber, this has been so much fun. Thanks so much for coming by. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me, and happy Thanksgiving to you, Francis. Amber Barons is the author of the books Roughage, Grist, and her latest is Pulp, a practical guide to cooking with fruit. I'm Francis Lamb, and this is our annual Thanksgiving Day show, Turkey Confidential, from American Public Media. Our show is supported by Sitka Seafood Market. With Sitka Seafood Market, you can receive premium, sustainably harvested seafood from small boat fishermen and community processors shipped right to your door. Their wild-caught products are flash-frozen within hours of harvest, ensuring freshness and flavor. And Sitka Seafood offers flexible monthly or bi-monthly subscriptions, but you're never stuck with anything you don't want. They allow product swaps, special add-ons, easy pausing or cancellation, and they're backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Members can also access exclusive benefits, recipes, and cooking tips. Not ready to commit to a subscription? No problem. They have one-time boxes that showcase seasonal, festive, and popular varieties without commitment. Promoting the dietary guidelines supported by the American Heart Association, Sitka Seafood Market emphasizes seafood's heart-healthy benefits. They're rich in omega-3 fatty acids and lean proteins. Start your free online visit today at sitkaseafoodmarket.com and use promo code SPLENDID35. Listeners receive $35 off their first order of $100 or more, subscription, or one-time box. Offer cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. And that's Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, seafoodmarket.com, and promo code SPLENDID35. Happy Thanksgiving! I'm Francis Lamb, and you're listening to the Splendid Table's Turkey Confidential from American Public Media. Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine & More, helping shoppers find the best gifts for everyone on their holiday shopping list. Total Wine & More helps shoppers find what they love and love what they find. Drink responsibly, be 21. We are spending this hour with you, as we do every year on this day, helping you with your Thanksgiving conundrums, and as usual, we have amazing help. Let me introduce you to our next guest, the living ray of sunshine herself, 
Jocelyn Delk Adams. A Southern baker extraordinaire, she named her website grandbabycakes.com, but she is a cook through and through, too. A regular on the Today Show, she's the author of the cookbook, Everyday Grand. Hey, Jocelyn, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving! How you doing? I am great, and better now that I'm talking to you. The, the musical lilt of your voice. <laughs> usually well, you just... tis the season, right? Yeah. Well, usually you live in my phone, but now it's nice to hear you singing to me. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Right on. So, actually, I want to ask you a question, because I know you grew up in Chicago, but yes. you told me earlier that your Thanksgivings you know, through the time growing up and, and mostly to this day, right? I think yeah. are with your grandparents in Winona, Mississippi. So yes, Thanksgiving a, like? a far cry from Chicago, let me tell you. Just a very small town in Mississippi, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot there. It's basically when you go, you are going to spend all of your time with family because there's not a lot to do. <laughs> and so... <laughs> We don't need slander on northern Mississippi right now. The thing I think it was like the way for us to be like, okay, there's nothing but family time. This is what we need to focus on. This is what we need to prioritize. And I actually loved it. I actually liked being away from the noise, from the busyness, from the chaos that we usually have in our busy lives, and Mm. just being able to spend time with family. It was. It actually made me pretty grateful during those Thanksgivings. Oh, I love that. How many people would go? Uh, I would say we would probably have about 13 to maybe 14 family members total mm-hmm. that would go. And we would all be in this small house and just spending time together. Right on. And what's on the table? Uh, okay, what's not on the table? We do not have <laughs> enough tables, okay? We would always joke. We're like, are more people showing up? Like, why do we have so much food? We would literally have like two turkeys, one fried, one roasted, um, we would have, yes, we, there's candied yams, there's mashed potatoes, there's greens, there's green beans and potatoes, there's baked potatoes, there's literally homemade rolls, my big mama's homemade rolls, cornbread dressing, of course, gravy, all of it, and at least maybe close to 10 pies, cakes, and all of assorted desserts too. And you sweet just tea. Said 13 people. <laughs> 13, 10 pies. We're like, right. We're like, are we making plates for more people? Like, what is happening? It's really insane. But we we go big or we go home. That's how we play Thanksgiving. For sure, Mm -hmm. for sure. I got to talk to you about the the option of turkey, fried or roast. Yeah. How did that start? It's not an option. You have both. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, okay. But why are there both types? Was someone like at one point like, I got to have it this way? Someone else, you I gotta know, have it that way. Not necessarily. I think we just like the diversity of having both available. Um, uh-huh. Like my dad is like the turkey fryer. So he's in charge of that every single year. And, you know, that's become like, definitely a mainstay and it's a different flavor profile too because it's more cajun spiced it's got Mm. you know a more of a kick than the traditional roasted turkey so we kind of like having like the difference in flavors too i think right on that's (laughs) (laughs) it's 13 people which is not it's like a nice number of people all of the meats (laughs) we have short ribs too um you know we have yeah we we go in we go in lamb shanks it's it's ridiculous mac and cheese and i can't even believe i didn't say the mac and cheese and in fact there's like an african-american proverb shirt that says the mac and cheese is more important than the turkey (laughs) 
Is it okay? Mac the mac and cheese. Is it like one person's job to make mac and cheese, and that person like you need to keep <laughs> that person upright that day because they're making the mac and cheese? Is it like that <laughs> right. kind of vibe. It's actually a collaborative effort at this oh, point. Oh, cool! Like we, yeah, I know. So there's like a collaboration in terms of, hey, are we going with this cheese like this year? Are we going to add this additional cheese to the mix? You know, um, oh, okay. yeah, let's make the sauce a little thicker. Like there's there's opinions galore. In the process of making it until it gets into the oven. Oh, right on. So it's not. It's not like it's got to be like Mima's mac and cheese. It's like not at you, all. You'll play we, with we every. We kind of play it by ear. Right on. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that. There's some things that don't change, and there's some things that can. Absolutely. So we have a caller, Evan, calling from Washington D.C. Hey, Evan. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, uh, I've been better. <laughs> We're doing well. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's going on? Well, um, hypothetically speaking, um, <laughs> suppose uh, you were instructed to take a turkey out of the freezer and you forgot and it's now out of the freezer but frozen and it's five hours till dinner. Okay. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> this is, this is, hypothetically. Just hypothetically. Well, that person's fired. Yeah. No, 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 I'm kidding. <laughs> I have to tell you, this was... <laughs> This was okay. So when I started doing this show, uh, Splendid Table, like I was so excited to do this episode, Turkey Confidential, and you know, in my mind, it was always going to be, you know, this is the day when people call desperately, like, "Oh my god, my turkey's still frozen. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do?" And we never actually got that call. So I'm glad. (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh my god! I'm I'm so pleased that I could fulfill this need for you. Yeah. I have to say, in all those years, though, I never actually researched it because, <laughs> like, no one's ever actually going to well, call you know, that like the traditional <laughs> sense. Yeah, like I know so many people who spend so much time prepping Thanksgiving like a week in advance, and they are serious, serious people. Like, you know, the turkey is thawing in the refrigerator like four to five days ahead. Like, they've got the serious, you know, calendar, and they're marking everything off on the to do list. So I understand. You know how it can get really crazy, busy around the holiday season, and something like this can happen. It oh, happens. good! Yeah, the universe is well. Full I mean, of here's the thing, too. Yeah, depending on you know, like my family, we try to like we'll prep things maybe like the day before, but in this instance, you know, you know, you can actually, if it comes to this, you can actually bake and roast a turkey frozen it's gonna take a little while longer but you can definitely do that or also you can like if you wake up in the morning you're like oh my gosh like I forgot to do that like put it in some cold water immediately mm-hmm. and start the cold water thawing uh, yeah I would say the cold water I mean truly the you know <laughs> the best way to do it and they all and it's probably on the turkey itself like on the wrapper of the turkey it says you know yes. defrost in the refrigerator for several days ahead absolutely. of time absolutely and the reason why it says that is really it's a it's a safety thing a food yes. safety thing so you're not you know the outside of the turkey isn't actually at like a out of refrigerator temperature which is technically considered you know unsafe because bacteria might grow mm. while the inside is still frozen However, if you if you're speeding it up, you know, like Jocelyn said, dunk it in. They say cold water is best because again, you're trying to not get the outside too warm. But if you're like mm-hmm. really desperate and it's a big old block of ice, I would say room temperature water, even like slightly warm water, because it will cool that water down quickly. And I would say yeah. quickly 
like when you feel that water get cool again, dump it out and add a little bit more of the warm water. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. speeding it up that way. You know, you'll you'll feel like, wow, I'm pouring out bathtubs full of water. But, you know, it's that way it'll really <laughs> help with that. Um, I would also say uh, once you start getting some flexibility in the turkey, if it's not like super hard, I would think about carving it raw. What? Oh, yeah. You and then I mean? you speed it up because it's in smaller pieces. Yeah. So like, it, you know, you won't have your big, beautiful turkey on the table. But like if you can start wiggle that leg. I would take a knife and like I would try to cut off that leg and just defrost the leg. Huh. And then, you know, when the breast is you know, pliable enough, cut down and try to take off the breast in two big pieces and thaw those. You know, like it's not going to be perfect, but like desperate times, desperate. <laughs> sure, I know. Like, yeah. Also, like I've been seeing, I don't know if you've seen this in local grocery stores recently too, but on the day of Thanksgiving, they actually have like thawed turkeys that you can buy immediately, like go right into the oven. Oh, like that's because great. these things happen. Yeah. So I feel like I think grocery stores are capitalizing on some of us that make that mistake and they're coming to the rescue. There's always an option. Okay, Evan, you will not ruin Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah, totally. The one thing I will also say too um, is I, I, that might just be the best idea to go to the store and find the thought. Yeah, go to the store <laughs> and leave that one for like Christmas or any other holiday or like, you know, or next year. So, you know, you, you got one in the bank for whenever you need it again. Hey, we have New Year's turkey. Yeah, New Year's. Uh, turkey y'all <laughs> valentine's turkey <laughs> right right <laughs> well um the one thing i would say though if your turkey is still frozen or semi-frozen is is do not fry it oh. frying frozen <gasps> turkey is a huge huge no-no because it'll explode <laughs> really and, uh, it's right it's, well i it's, mean because it's bad it's bad news yeah it's bad news because what happens is if it's still frozen that means there's probably still a lot of ice and a lot of water you know in the turkey and then yes. when you put it in the in the fryer, uh, hopefully it's like far away from your house. You know, like yes, you're following all the safety thing. precautions. Don't fry the turkey near the house. Yeah, <laughs> not not a ton of yeah. oil in the fryer because you know you don't want it to bubble over. But all that ice will immediately turn to steam, and then will cause huge like boil over and bubble over of the hot oil, and then that catches on fire. It's like it's a Google turkey fryer disaster and uh, <laughs> like literally fire departments put out these videos every year of like, we yeah, don't want to see our neighbor's houses scary. burn down. Um, so they show you all the bad things that can happen. Uh, so do not fry a frozen turkey, whatever you do. That That is, I, I will say that. Uh, I will take that off the list. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you so much for this very hypothetical question, Evan. Yes. And I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Happy Thanksgiving, Evan. Happy Thanksgiving. Take care. <laughs> All right, let's go to our next caller, and this is Sarah from Memphis. Hey, Sarah, happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, y'all. Hey. Hey. How can we help you? (laughs) Thanks for having me. Um, So I am a grown woman. Uh, I'm here in Memphis, and I have never never, um, cooked uh, Thanksgiving dinner for myself. I've always (gasps) been the guest at everyone else's. And it's um, terrifying. So, <laughs> oh my I've gosh, the expert. Well, congratulations, first of all, because I mean, it's quite a feat when you take that on. Are you feeding a lot of people, or just mm-hmm. is it just going to be you? It'll be me and my husband. Um, 
the extra kicker is that his birthday is always right around there too. So, you know, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, like the first thing I would personally say is don't overwhelm yourself. Don't mm. feel like, don't take a, a page out of the book of my family where you need like 12 entrees and then like 16 <laughs> yes. side dishes. It, it, like you don't need all of that girl. Okay. Like save your time, save your energy, save your sanity. You need at least yes. maybe three of your absolute favorite side dishes and, and maybe even make it easier by prepping some things ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, use your slow mm-hmm. cooker. You know, maybe you can also, you know, throw something in there like some mashed potatoes and then work on two sides Ooh. and then possibly like, hey, it doesn't even have to be a turkey. It could be Cornish hens or it could be a roasted chicken, something that is more suitable for just the two of you so you don't yeah. have a ton of leftovers. But don't feel the need to oh, make it, it, you know, so traditional. Create your own tradition. Make this about who you guys are as a couple. So it really relates to who you are and what you want it to be. I love that. Absolutely. I so- have messed up mashed potatoes before. And <laughs> that is that's like a favorite staple. How do you mess it up? I thought they were, but you just they're, mashed them. Apparently not. No, I, <laughs> no, no, no. Do not beat yourself up over this. As someone who spent three whole weeks in culinary school making mashed potatoes, <laughs> literally, that was wow. that was like that was on my station in like the last uh, in, in the last like course I had in culinary school. Like the mashed potatoes were on my station. So every day for three weeks, I had to go in and make oh mashed my potatoes. Gosh. And um, there are more ways for them to go sideways than you would realize. So do not feel bad about that. But I want to ask you, Sarah, so what what are the things yeah. that you do feel like we will need to see on this table for it to feel things? Are you a hardcore traditionalist? Are you like yeah. hearing Jocelyn be like, oh, doing other things that aren't typical would be great? Like what to you will make it feel special? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I need are some potatoes, Mm-hmm. Um, preferably with some lumps in them still. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a Southern girl, so we do dressing, not stuffing. Okay. Oh, um, yes, girl. Like a you speak in my language. Of dressing. Yes. <laughs> I thought <yes>. so. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The dressing is essential. Um, so if you've never made cornbread dressing before, um, I have a great recipe. Um, it's my aunt's recipe. That is actually one of the recipes that Every single Thanksgiving, we always make this recipe as is. We do not play around with it. It is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's it's my Aunt Rose's cornbread dressing. Super simple. And it's just because it's the two of you, you could either half the recipe. It's in my book, Everyday Grand. Or you could even, you know, save some. Like, because my family, we actually freeze it. If my mom gets, she's like, I want some dressing. Jocelyn, make me some. Mm. I will actually make it for her. And then she will freeze the rest and like little frozen sections. And then those portions she'll heat up and she'll enjoy like on a random Sunday or, you know, whenever the, the mood strikes. That is such a great idea. I just see little dressing popsicles in my freezer in the future. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you never know when the mood strikes, you know. 
But I will say this for the best cornbread dressing, make sure that you start with a homemade cornbread. Like I know a lot of people will be like, oh, just go get like a package or just like it really is essential to have that amazing cornbread start. Like maybe do that like the day before so it can get a little dry so it can really soak in all of that stock and those ingredients. And then you get a nice, healthy, nice, hearty dressing at the end when you bake it up. Oh, that's perfect. My husband makes a fantastic cornbread, not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, so I Crumble it up, girl, and make that. that into some dressing. And you guys work on it together. It sounds like a group Yeah, project. it's a teamwork. It's the teamwork yeah. that makes it special. Yeah. yeah. And um, well, so once awesome. you have the dressing, which we in the North will call stuffing, but it's basically <laughs> the same thing. It's not it's, – I mean, I, there are lots of different versions yeah. of it, of course. But um, I want to talk to you about mashed potatoes. Because I know that you <laughs> yes, just said you please. like the lumps in it, and almost everything I know about mashed potatoes, like it, it, it like is every urge in my body be like, are you sure you want lumps in it? Are you sure you want lumps in it? Because well, I definitely like, don't use a ricer if you want the, the lumps smoothest, in it. <laughs> silkiest, silkiest. But if you I mean, like the lumps, as long as they're not glue, then I'll be happy. Because what I did, I just kept adding liquids, and that apparently wasn't the way to go. So. I, it makes me think of like gluten, which I don't, mm, okay, which yeah. isn't a factor soupy? here, but Sounds it just soupy. seems like I messed with it too much. <laughs> well, let me ask you, okay, a well, couple things both. affect that. How did you actually mash? Did you mash with like a, the, like the old fashioned potato mash? That's like a, that's like a, a wire, yes. like a wire whisk that, that had I've, a terrible accident that you could like go smush <laughs> in a pot, like that thing? Yeah. That thing is fine. Yeah. That I've thing is fine. That thing, and I've also used, um... Like after boiling them, just like a hand mixer before oh, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I would not do that because that okay, lot. what you have to okay here here here's a little bit of science nerdery. Okay. Love it. So, the cells in the potato are filled with starch, and the more you break those cells, the more starch comes out, and the starch is what absorbs water and becomes like 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 paste, right? Like starch, like old okay. paste it was yeah. made with starch and water, right? So if you're breaking the potato up with, like, the hand musher, that's yeah. fine because it's not a sharp <laughs> thing. It's kind of like crushing cells. So some cells are broken, but it's, it's kind of like just breaking them apart. And if you use a potato ricer, um, which will give you very smooth potatoes, smooth, yeah. it's, it's kind of the same thing in that it's like a bunch of holes and it's like a, you know, it's going to, like, push the potato through the holes. So you're still breaking mm-hmm. them apart. If you use a hand blender or a food processor or a blender, yeah. the blade actually cuts those cells open so you release a lot more starch, and that ah. starch is what makes it gluey. So how you're actually mashing potatoes makes a huge difference for that. And maybe that's why as you were adding more liquid because now there's so much starch in it that the more liquid you add, the more paste <laughs> you're making in the yeah. pot. So uh, really yes. – any way of you can't of, see uh, me, but my yeah. jaw is on the floor because that makes yeah, like, so much that sense. That is my life. <laughs> so you know, if you're using the masher, you're good. You boil a potato in in. I like to quarter them. Uh, just just makes it cook a little faster. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really hardcore, like uh, chefs will tell you, like oh, bake the potato in the skin because you're not introducing moisture. You're taking moisture out, so you add moisture through your Ooh. milk and your butter. 
you don't need to do that. Like that's if you're one of these like maniacal people who like, oh, I want to like, I want to push <laughs> the scientific limits of how smooth and buttery I can get them. Like, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like for most people, quarter the potatoes, put them in a pot, cover them with water by an inch or so, turn it on high. When it comes to a boil, turn it down so it's just kind of bubbling a little bit, simmering. You can check them at 15 minutes. Almost always they'll be done by 20. If you pull out the potatoes and you like kind of prick them with a fork or a paring knife, you don't want them falling apart, but like you can poke them and it's no big deal. Like it it slides through pretty easily. You're done cooking. Get the potatoes out of the water. I would Mm -hmm. save a cup or two of that water. Um, You probably, you may not use it, but it's not bad. Okay. Just like pasta. Yeah, exactly. If it's getting a little Mm -hmm. dry, you want to add a little bit. It's not a bad deal because you're actually adding potato flavor into it because like that water is now absorbed potato flavor, right? Yeah. And then, uh, I would spread them out on a sheet tray. You don't have to do this. I like to spread out a sheet tray just to let them steam off a little bit so they're not like soaking wet. Um, oh. You can even mm-hmm. pop them in a warm oven to help that steaming action. When you start to see that potato floweriness on the edges of the cut edges, then you're good. Um, mm-hmm. While Either while the potatoes are cooking or while they're drying or whatever, I would have a separate saucepan of whatever you want, half and half, milk, cream, whatever liquid you want, and you know some big chunk of butter big chunk of butter yes and salt season Mm -hmm. that uh and then heat up just so the butter melts and you can just kind of whisk it together um and then just start mashing and pouring and mashing and pouring and you're good um you can adjust the amount of liquid you add like when you have the right texture uh you you can also like find a recipe has a specific ratio but like if you just want to eyeball it that's fine i would say though the, uh, the other challenge i have with mashed potatoes is keeping them hot because when they get cold, they get stiff, yes. and mm-hmm. you don't want to like overcook them. So Jocelyn mentioned slow cooker before. Yeah, you can drop your hot mashed potatoes in your on slow the cooker warm. and yeah. turn it on low or warm. Yeah, that's what I do. I, I, yeah, I actually that's like the last thing I do. Mm-hmm. It's like the last recipe mm-hmm. we make before we serve because we want them to be hot, or you can keep them warm in, yeah. the, in the slow cooker. It's just such a great way to make sure that they stay at temperature. Oh, wonderful! Mm-hmm. I love all, I love getting that little science lesson like the why behind it is so helpful in and also just hearing a pro say you can eyeball it i'm like wait are you sure but hearing this it's like okay this makes sense it sounds like it will become clear that this is the consistency you want or not yeah absolutely it's it's your dinner (laughs) it's your dinner when you're happy you're done yes (laughs) all right well happy thanksgiving maddie And enjoy your Thanksgiving alone with your husband and and his birthday. I can't yeah. wait! I can't wait to find out how that cornbread dressing turned out. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh, yeah. I'm so excited! Thank you guys. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving. Y'all have Sarah. a good one too. Yeah. Right. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, let's go now to yeah. Maddie. Hey, Maddie! Happy Thanksgiving. Hello. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. How can we help you today? Yeah, well, thank you so much for taking my call, first of all. I'm in a bit of a bind. Um, You know, my mom's hosting all of our family and a couple of friends, and she forgot to, like, plan out a dessert. So I've kind of, you know, been given that task of trying to figure something out, something sweet for for everyone. And, um, you know, we can't use the oven, which is kind of, you know, I'm kind of, on like types of recipes to make without the oven but we mm. have like all of the usual baking suspects like my mom kind of just like went crazy when she got all of her ingredients <laughs> for cooking um <laughs> but, like what can you suggest to make like without the oven 
Oh my gosh. Um, I personally love like a chocolate mousse or something you could probably mm-hmm. throw together. Um, actually, I prefer desserts during the holidays that don't require the oven because the oven is working. Okay. The oven has a lot to do already. So I think something like a quick chocolate mousse, um, you know, all you need is like some butter, um, some chocolate, like some semi-sweet chocolate, a few eggs you probably have, some sugar, um, some heavy cream. And you can do that very, very quickly and just pop that in the refrigerator And you can even, you know, put them in some cute little glasses and throw like a little whipped cream on top. Um, Mm -hmm. You can even add like maybe like an Oreo crust to the bottom, almost make like a like a cheesecake sort of vibe. Add a little cream cheese to that. And then like you could create something that feels a little bit more decadent. I mean, you could probably add like a like a coffee powder to it, make it like a mocha flavor. Like you could really, really give it, you know, like a, a bit of like your personality, your vibe, put a little caramel sauce on top and people will think you did a lot and you didn't and that's what it's about and that's what it's about okay (laughs) no yeah literally i actually love the coffee idea we have some coffee lovers here and i feel like that just gives it like a little bit more dimension than just like absolutely exactly absolutely and then i have like a lighter version that i've done too and this is even easier like i've done this with my daughter where i've used like a greek yogurt Hmm. (laughs) and then i've kind of like mixed that with some whipped cream and kind of lightened it up and added some chocolate to that and then added those to glasses and served those so that's an even easier version for someone who's like I don't bake at all. And I get a lot of followers that are like, you're making it too, too hard. Like you're asking me to add in eggs and you're asking me to do all of this. And you're talking about some stiff peaks. I don't know what that is. So if you are on that side, like you can even make something that's delightful like that too. Oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Greek yogurt, you know, obviously it's become like a staple for so many people. Such a thing, right? But I love the idea of basically whipping it Folding yeah, whipped cream whipping it. into it to just lighten it up. Just folding whipped and then cream into it. Flavoring it with melted chocolate. Yeah. And, and the, yogurt so will, the yogurt will be tangy. So mm-hmm. it will come out, especially on a Thanksgiving when there's so much that's so heavy. To have something so heavy. This is much lighter. And yeah. kind of tangy for dessert, but still chocolatey yeah. and rich. Like that sounds yeah. really kind of perfect. <laughs> I know. Like that sounds great. Yes. And, and it takes just mere minutes to throw together too. And we like that too. I love that. I have Greek yogurt all the time because I basically <laughs> I use that instead of sour cream now for like all of my soups and like mm-hmm. chili and always have it on hand. So we do have that. But we also have the heavy whipping creams and a ton of eggs. So I'll probably just do like the first option. Well, I'm glad we get to talk about chocolate. So thank you for that, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, of course. Chocolate is my favorite dessert item. So glad to glad to ask you about that and glad to receive this wonderful response. I I definitely think everyone's going to be happy. And I have to say that I think it's refreshing that someone is thinking about chocolate for Thanksgiving versus like, you know, the typical flavors that we all hear and like everyone's always serving your pumpkin. It's, you know, your pecan Mm -hmm. pie or pecan pie, however you say it, like the typical apple pie. And so it's like, I like that you're like, no, I want chocolate for Thanksgiving. I love that. Yeah. Great. Well, now I'm starting to think about like, oh, what if you had like little bits of like diced butternut squash in the chocolate? Come on. Come on. <laughs> Pumpkin right? chocolate mousse. Is that good? I yeah. don't know. I don't... 
All right. Well, thanks for the call, Maddie. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. You too. And Jocelyn, this has been so fun. Thank you so much for coming by. Oh, thank you so much. This was super fun. I've I've actually gotten some ideas for myself. I'm like, I'm going to go make me a chocolate mousse. Why not? Right? (laughs) I'm I'm ready for that too. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you. Happy Thanksgiving, Francis. Thank you so much. Jocelyn Delk Adams is the author of Everyday Grand and the Soulful Recipes for Celebrating Life's Big and Small Moments. And we hope you're celebrating life's big and small moments today, too. That is our show. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. From all of us at the Splendid Table, have a very happy Thanksgiving. This year's Turkey Confidential is supported by Total Wine & More, helping shoppers find the best gift for everyone on their holiday shopping list. Total Wine & More helps shoppers find what they love and love what they find. Drink responsibly, B21. I'm Francis Lamb, and this is Turkey Confidential from American Public Media. Music.